passion and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football. Busy Friday afternoon. We're an hour away from the SEC commissioner joining us to talk about the announcement Friday between the Big Ten and the SEC. We'll talk to Stuart Mandel coming up here in just a few minutes as well. Let's get back to your calls and check in with Michaela in Nashville. Hello, Michaela. Okay. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling. We're doing great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, okay, okay. Well, yes, I'm Michaela from Nashville, and the best high school football player to me is Elijah Usher. Now, he's a senior at East Nashville Magnet School here in Nashville, Tennessee. He just got committed to Campbellsville, Kentucky's college as their wide receiver. He's been at all-star games, Tennessee State games. Like, Elijah's just the best, the best um, football player to me. Well, I, uh, I, I'm he's not that. What, what is? Uh, I'm assuming he's a wide receiver. Be he's very fast. Is, would that be fair? Yes, he's yes. He made a, a, a 99 yard touchdown in one of his high school games. Like, come on now. I'm surprised he didn't get Player of the Year. Well, uh, if you happen to see him, Michaela, congratulate him, and uh, we can't wait to watch him at the next level. Thank you very, very much. Sounds like. Uh, there's a lot of excitement for him up in uh, Nashville. Brad is in Tennessee as well. Good afternoon. Hi, Mr. Paul. Hey, Brad. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you. Uh, I commend you for all your work, man. I love seeing everything you do. Um, uh, I had one question, but I'm just going to add before the question. Uh, why is everyone kind of surprised by the NIL before, you know, the curtain got drawn? Like, hadn't play- I think players have always been – paid right you know like top 10 you know brad there's always been money under the table uh but there was a great concern and fear if you were schooled to get caught so a lot of coaches uh you know made sure that they however the players got there they weren't done directly from the coaching staff but now it, it's it's out in the open uh, there's no and frankly i don't think it's that big a deal uh, i mean you always hear these right. you hear these coaches rage oh it's the wild wild west uh, the game, the game is still as great today as it was yesterday. It's just more chaotic. And by the way, if you make for these guys who make eight, ten, twelve million dollars a year, I'm not crying for them. Uh, I'd like to have no, that kind of no, chaos, wouldn't no, you? No. Yeah, yeah, great point. Um, I guess the other, I'll keep it on a softer note. This is like, how many times is the bull going to have a call saving before he blocks his number? <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, thank you very much, Brad. Uh, we'll check on that one. Let's uh, move along and uh, talk to Scott, who is down in Louisiana. Hello, Scott. How you doing, Paul? We're doing well. Thank you. I, I wanted to thank you for what you do, and, and um, I enjoy your show. First-time caller. Thank you very uh, much. I just had something that's been on my mind and, and been listening, and, and I don't know if anybody's asked the question. Maybe so. I just hadn't heard it, but... Um, I, I don't mind so much the NIL. I, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me for kids making money. I think they should. But the transfer portal, uh, that's what, to me, has gotten out of hand. And between that and, and COVID pretty much ruining the whole country, um, I just wanted to ask a question, and I'll, I'll drop off and, and get your comments. But um, 
my question is with with the with the transfer portal what what are your what is your thoughts about if they would go back the way I, I assume the way it used to be is that once a kid transfers they have to set out a year well scott uh i mean in theory that you know you get one free pass but the problem now is with all with all the legal matters it, it's going to be impossible to maintain that so i, I think those days are over uh, because young kid, young players are going to court, and so I just don't, I think uh, now it's going to be free agency every year, which is really the case. That is the that is the issue in college athletics. The NIL is not the biggest problem because everybody can figure out you know whatever level they're at. Uh, but what the coaches complain about the most is they're in the, they're at the end of the season, they're getting ready for bowl games, championships, and next year the twelve team playoff. And they and they they can't control their roster. And then the situation we saw at Alabama in Washington this year, where Alabama players can transfer, but Alabama can't get anyone other than players from Washington or some other school. So that that is that is really where it's chaotic. Um, and and I don't. Uh, we'll have the commissioner on here in an hour. Uh, we'll ask him where things are on that because he certainly got a much better seat at the table than anyone else. Logan, up next. Uh, hello, Logan. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the commissioner. Um, that would be a great question to ask him. But uh, hey, I uh, saw yesterday where you nailed I man. You basically said he was a not an Auburn fan but a Bama hater, and that's exactly well, he, what he is. Uh, you know, you've, you've always heard about these rare infectious diseases. Um, he he is the first known case of Sabinitis. And exactly. you know, once you once you contract sabinitis, there's it's not like COVID where in theory there's this vaccine or polio. There is nothing there. Not only is there no vaccine, there's no treatment. It never goes away. Exactly. I mean, so by the way, even people? with Sabin leaving Alabama. You still have it for life, and you never, and you can't, and you're you're ruined. I mean, it's like a curse. What's he going to do now? He's going to have to watch game day, and watch <laughs> Saban on there. And I, I, I think yes, I think he will, um, and that's going to be tough for him because he's got to see all the people he doesn't like. Oh my God, that's crazy. Well, hey Paul, I was going to ask you tonight's game, Alabama Auburn. Who you got? What do you I'm, like? About I'm it? leaning toward uh, the home team there, just because I think that is such a difficult thing to overcome, even for Alabama. No, I totally agree. And you know, you know, I'm a Bama fan, die hard, but I think it's going to be tough tonight. It's going to be a heck of a game. So, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and I think uh, I, I think Auburn, I think Alabama's won a couple in a row, so I, I think that also plays into it. Thank you very much, Logan. Uh, appreciate the call. Let's uh, check you out, Zane in Lexington. Now, hello, Zane. Hey, Paul. Uh, so I, I was just going to ask you about Kentucky basketball these past few years, man. Uh, you know, from 2008 to 2016, it was just pure dominance in the SEC. Do you think this these past few years says more about Calipari and his deficiencies or the SEC as a whole being more competitive? Well, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nuanced question. I think the SEC is – 
significantly better, but the SEC has been good for a while, and I just think Calipari's model of getting, uh, of trying to win with, with one and doneers just simply doesn't work anymore. Uh, the, the better, the team, I mean, we saw that last year where, where the team concept is overcoming the stars. I mean, one of the greatest teams of all time in college basketball with, with, uh, with Duke and Zion Williamson. Well, who's the other guy that was there? He had like two of the top five players in the country. Uh, At Duke? Yeah, they couldn't win it. Yeah, RJ. It was, was it? Zion, uh, RJ, and yeah, RJ Barrett. I mean, nobody. I mean, rarely has a. I mean, there have been programs where you have two top five players, but that might have been the greatest. They, and they couldn't Kentucky do it. Kentucky has two top five this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm talking about, Justin I guess, uh, in a, an NBA lottery picks, but, but uh, I, I just, I, I, I mean, I'm not writing Cal off because uh, basketball is one of those sports <laughs> where you get on a run, uh, but. The trend lines are very are very uh, troublesome for him. How much do you think has to do with all these fifth year players and transfer year players compared to how it was back in the day, where now you got kids that are darn near twenty four years old out here on the court with these eighteen year olds? Well, I think that's a big that's a big deal. I mean, it's just uh, matter of maturity. Uh, I mean, you can play you can play college basketball or pro basketball at, at a high level, but you don't have the experience. And I think that plays into it, especially in the biggest games. I mean, that is where you get exposed in college basketball. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, we saw that a little bit last year with Alabama. They, they went cold, and the next thing you know, uh, one of the best Alabama teams of all time, if not the best, they're gone. Uh, you, you go cold for three minutes in the, the beginning of the second half, and uh, you, you're out of the tournament. Thanks, thanks so much for the call. We appreciate it. We head to the break. More to come. Uh, Stuart Mandel, bottom of the hour. Commissioner Sankey, top of the next hour. We're back. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hey, welcome back. As we continue, Stuart Mandel will join us in a couple of minutes on uh, the, does the NCAA have a future, not what is their future, and the commissioner of the SEC joining us in just about 45 minutes. Uh, let's continue right now and uh, talk to Zorro in Chattanooga. Hello, Z hello, Zorro. Hey, hey, long time listener, first time caller, UT Gray of 1975. And I yes, think sir. you were up there then. Uh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. I got there in 74. 
I remember you at the Daily Beacon, probably ran into you at Sam and Andy's a few yeah, times. I, I think I was right behind you on a Friday night getting a, uh, uh, what do they call those things? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, when, when I they, hope you. Well, yeah, when they would uh, press the, that, that, remember that machine, they put the, they put the sandwich in and then make it hot? Oh, man, that was great. I'd they were great. What I, I, well, I wouldn't give for one of those right now. I agree, Paul, I tell you. I, hey, listen, I was thinking uh, this has been mentioned in a few other states. Uh, you know, you keep hearing about the fact that they may make, uh, uh, you know, these athletes uh, employees. Well, what? If a state like Texas or California or even, for that matter, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia says, no, we're going to go the other route and make them 1099 independent contractors, which aren't employees. And the state law, uh, you know, has that in mind rather than making them em- employees as their own law. That's a good, that's a, that's a, you know, by the way, uh, since the states are the controlling authority here, because NIL is a state issue right now, I wonder if that could be uh, implemented. That's a that would be a good question for the commissioner. Yeah, really would. That really would be, you know, because I mean, you know, the NCAA, as we all know, lost a firm nine-zero decision uh, relative to the NCAA. Right, the Austin case. Yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah, you know, and I think if they appeal it and it goes back to the Supreme Court like some uh, seem to think Tennessee will win this case Tuesday and it'll be appealed all the way back up there, they're going to probably get chastised pretty well. And I think... Yeah, that, and, uh, and, and I realize I, I'm, I'm speaking out of my expertise, but from what I do know, I think the Supreme Court wants this case uh, because they, uh, they're... Uh, there's a lot of anger on that court, especially uh, based on Kavanaugh's uh, second uh, opinion, uh, which was not the control, the majority opinion, but it was still a, it was still pretty scathing. Yeah, he was chastising yeah. the NCA. He really, he really was. I, you know, I, th- I think it's obviously uh, the NCAA is. Uh, overstepped the boundaries and i think you're going to see the big 10 and the sec merge and head toward a super conference and uh you know money as you said and alluded to everybody out of diapers knows it used to be paid under the table now it's on the table and uh uh so i just thought i'd weigh in on that and uh, that'd be a great question for uh mr sankey and uh, I'm beginning to think the sooner we get on with super conferences, the better. I mean, that'll that'll take probably 70% of the revenue the NCAA has uh, if that occurs. Uh, you're right. Hey, you thank you that? very much, Laura. Really cool, really, really interesting call there. Uh, let's move along. And Rick is up next. Uh, hey, Rick. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, there's two things I want to talk with you about. The first one is probably the most important. And that is, who is working on the theme song when you add the Longhorns and the Sooners? Because the current theme song is perfectly done. It touches everybody. It's catchy. But who's working on adding two more schools? And my question is... Well, is I, 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 I didn't want to announce it because uh, it's, it's going to be Taylor Swift who will do the new, uh, the new song. 
From what I know, Rick, I believe Taylor Hicks, uh, not Taylor Swift, but Taylor Hicks, has been tasked with that responsibility. Birmingham boy, good job keeping it down home. Because I've been listening to you since you started this thing. I don't listen all the time, and I very rarely call. But, hey, the last time I called, I threw you a hardball, and you knocked me off. Um, Now that everyone's talking about all the money that's out there, especially all the money that's been on the table before NIL, I think you had a caller, uh, not a caller, a coach on about two months ago, somewhere in that window, an older coach who was old school, and he talked about a lot of the stuff that happened. Do you remember who I'm talking about? I'm trying to remember his name, but I do remember the call. Fantastic call. So here's the thing. The hypocrisy of the media and what's been going on on the table for the last 50 years is the absolute travesty of college sports. So here's my question. Saban's retired. Spurrier's retired. All the old guards moving on. Eventually, at some point, Mr. Paul Feinbaum's going to retire. I would like to know if you would consider putting together a book, because before the NIL was the REC. And I would like to know if you would be willing to co-author a book on the REC. We could have a foreword. That's the Red Elephant Club for all you guys out there that don't know. A foreword with Auburn coaches and LSU coaches, Tennessee coaches, to talk about their time in dealing with the REC pre-NIL. And then we could have a chapter on Bear. We could have a chapter on Perkins. Uh, We could have a chapter on Stallings. The the chapter on Shula will be really, really, really short because obviously they had to shut it all down because they were staring down the barrel of a loaded gun. And then we could talk about Saban and the Saban era with Mark Emmerich and the REC. And we could start with the Julio Jones class. Would you be interested in that, Mr. Feinbaum? Well, uh, Rick, uh, I agree. I, I actually uh, agreed to a book about a year and a half ago, and that was that was part of the conversation. But the difficulty is doing that book while doing what I'm doing. So I opted out of the project. Uh, huh? But uh, but you're going to retire at some point. Yeah, yeah. And, de- and dealing with the publisher, uh, it was a big a big New York publishing house, uh, Penguin. Uh, he did ask me uh, about what I considered again. I said not not immediately because I, I it's I just it, it's hard to do a book while you're doing this. And I'm not I'm not I, I, real, I realize Stephen A. Smith did a book and a lot of people. But to do that kind of book, you do, you have to you can't do anything else. You have to. But yeah, I'm I'm not ruling it out. Well, you do I, I'm, not, I'm not too. I'm not, if you do a book like that, if you do a book on the Red Elephant Club, that's why Neil McCready doesn't talk anymore. Um, y'all can do your research on that. But yeah, uh, with, if you do a book on the Red Elephant Club, you got to have a lot of bodyguards for you. Or you well, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, drop I'm, I'm a, listen, Rick. I, I've looked. I've, I've been down that road a couple of times, and I, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And uh, I okay. Well, let me, let me okay. ask you one question. Let me okay. ask you one. No, sorry. One more question. If you know what I'm talking about, how come no one's talked about it before? Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, at the beginning of my career, I did look into that stuff, and it, it became very complex, very costly, very litigious, and, <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's a known fact. I mean, uh, I was sued uh, early in my career, and we, we won the lawsuit, uh, but it, it, the appetite for doing it again after spending millions of dollars wasn't very high by the people I worked for. I understand. Hey, thank you for filling that one out and letting me finish it all the way through. Fine, okay. Bob. Take care. Warning. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a good way to get killed doing that book. Uh, we'll take a short break and be back right after this. Yeah. 
pleasure listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This is from The Athletic. The NCAA and its dwindling power, 10 key moments that led to its precarious status. We're 30 minutes away from hearing for the first time from the commissioner of the SEC, now the commissioner of all sports media. Uh, Stuart Mandel joining us. Stuart, great to have you here. Um, You've written about the the precarious state for the NCAA. Uh, Give us your insight into where they are and what this alliance, uh, advisory committee, uh, whatever people want to call it means and what it looks like and how the, how the trickle down effect is on, on everything else. Yeah, Paul, they're under attack for pretty much every aspect, every, every remaining rule that the NCAA still has almost is the subject of an antitrust lawsuit somewhere. And so I was really struck by the Tennessee case that, you know, that, that came out last week and you know, almost immediately there was a lawsuit um, now, they did not get their temporary restraining order yesterday, but the, the lawsuit will proceed. And, you know, that is the attorney generals of Tennessee and Virginia saying, you know, this thing that's been a fundamental part of NCA forever, right? Boosters can't be involved in recruiting. No, actually, that's antitrust violation and you should overturn it. And this is something that, you know, for most of the history of NCA, nobody would have questioned, right? You, you know, like we think back to obviously most visibly SMU getting the death penalty in the mid eighties, specifically because their boosters were paying players. People kind of lived in fear of NCA enforcement and sanctions. And if you were in trouble, you know, you, you bent over backwards to cooperate with them and hope that they you know, show mercy on you. And we're at a point now where nobody fears them. The Supreme court has humbled them. And so it's not surprising that, you know, a school, it's in their crosshairs like Tennessee has. And rather than kind of sit back and wait to see what happens, they're out there in the public um, blasting the NCA. Uh, it's, it's really an, an interesting point in time that we're in. Um, how much longer can this model even hold up under this much external pressure? And on top of that, uh, and I realize I'm, I'm getting a little off that subject, but you have you know, the new president is no longer that new, Charlie Baker. And yeah, I mean, he has, he has done all the things you have to do to repair the PR disaster that was Mark Emmerich. But a couple, nine months in, a year in, what does he have to show for it? Well, his big, and first of all, I have to give him a little bit of credit. Mark Emmerich spent a decade fighting a losing battle to keep the NCAA exactly the way it had always been. Um, and and suffered at, in the Supreme Court for it. You know, Charlie Baker has at least publicly recognized times are changing and wants the that organization to kind of proactively try to figure things out rather than waiting for the next losing court case. Uh, his big stamp to this point was, he, you know, that, that proposal that caught everybody in college sports off guard in December, proposing a new subdivision within Division One of just the, you know, the most major schools that could afford to pay their athletes directly um, $30,000 a year. He also, and I agree with him on this, thinks that the schools themselves should be allowed to enter into NIL deals with the players. Now, um, that didn't go over all that well across a lot of college sports. And I think you referred to it earlier and you can ask the commissioner about it yourself here in a half hour, but I think a big impetus for the SEC and Big Ten announcing their partnership to try to fix college athletics is they don't want Charlie Baker to dictate to them 
what the future of college sports is going to look like. They want to be directly involved in crafting that future. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems, Stuart, that they are willing to talk to him, consult him, but not let him dictate them, uh, maybe the other way around. And I think he himself has said that that letter that he put out was a starting point in a discussion that needs to be had, not that he's like going to, it's those terms or nothing. Um, you know, I think that the Big Ten and SEC obviously carry the most weight in college sports. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Greg says about it, but um, he is somebody who, like when this news came out, right, the inevitable reaction from a lot of people was, well, that's it. That's, that's the end of college sports as we know it. The SEC and the Big Ten are going to go off and do their own thing and leave everybody behind. But Commissioner Sankey has been involved in, you name the committee in, in the NCA, including the Committee on Infractions, he's been on it. He, he has come up through that system, and I genuinely believe he wants to protect that system. But he also wants what's best for the SEC, and same with Tony Petiti in the Big Ten. So they're trying to find a way now to um, have it both ways, I guess is the way to put it. He still wants there to be an NCAA. He still wants to play against, um, you know, you name the league in Division One and all these other sports. Certainly March Madness. I don't think anybody wants to lose uh, – March Madness, as we know it, where you have both the big boys and the Cinderella's. Um, but they want to take their own fate into their hands, too. And I think, you know, obviously, clearly in football, um, the playoff only has a, is only a place right now for the next two years. They're going to announce the next one at some point. And a lot of people wonder, well, will the Big Ten and the SEC say, we're not going to be so benevolent anymore. <laughs> There's only four uh, major conferences left, and we're the two biggest, and you know, I don't think we should have five automatic berths. I think if we, if one of our leagues can get seven teams in, then they should be allowed to. Um, you know, I think you're starting to see them throw their weight around more. Stuart Mandel. Stuart, you mentioned what, what, what is the biggest moneymaker for the NCAA, and it provides a lot of money for everyone else. But is there any other way to do the NCAA basketball tournament than the way we have it now? There's been some push to expand it, that's for sure. Yeah. And every time it comes up, the idea of going to 98, you know, 80s on 96, whatever teams, there's always a huge blowback because inevitably those extra spots would go to the 12th place SEC team. And that's not like, you know, the second best team in one of the smaller conferences. Um, I just think, you know, college football is the most popular college sport. Nobody could doubt that. But March Madness is one of the most popular sporting events of the year, and they need to do everything they can to protect it, not just financially, but in terms of the popularity of college sports. I mean, for a lot of Americans, that's the only three weeks of the year they watch college basketball and get into college basketball. And if you lose that, the, the mystique of that, like that sport would suffer tremendously. So uh, to answer your question, I don't have a great answer to your question, but you know, could another organization put on the same tournament? Yes. But I think everybody would much rather find a way to make it work under the present system. And Stuart, finally, uh, you know, this transformational committee, which you mentioned, uh, Greg Sankey was a big part of that, uh, was was really one of the last answers. So where as we as we head into uh, March Madness here in a couple of weeks and, and the off season, uh, last year, NIL uh, in Congress were the big theme. Uh, I mean, is, is, I realize that's still maybe needed, according to the commissioners and 
college leaders that we both talk to, but that doesn't seem likely, does it? I think they need to move on and concede that recruits are going to get NIL money. Like that's you're not, it's too late to stop that. And it's not the worst thing in the world either. The biggest single challenge that they are facing is, and we got this ruling right just the other day, the Dartmouth men's basketball team is now allowed to unionize. That's the huge existential threat they're facing is the athletes could be classified as employees and they should be putting all of their time and energy right now into figuring out how does that work? Because if it gets forced on them by the courts and by Congress, um, it could be a huge mess for college sports. It's not to say it won't happen. I think it probably will happen. But ideally, it would be in a system like the pro leagues have where you have collective bargaining and you can um, negotiate with the athletes or whoever the representative of the athletes is going to be to have terms. Otherwise, what people currently refer to as the Wild Wild West ball is nothing compared to what would happen if um, Ohio State can, uh, can pay their athletes $150,000 a year but um, McNeese State can only pay the minimum wage. Uh, it's just, it's just it would be, we, we can't, you don't have enough time in the interview to go into all the complications of that. But that is the single biggest kind of existential threat college sports is facing right now. And finally, in relation to the, uh, all of these issues combined, uh, look ahead because we, we had uh, Michael McCann on earlier on the Tennessee situation. All these cases are starting to build up. You mentioned Dartmouth. Is, is that really the biggest issue in college sports today is what happens in the courts? I mean, they, I can't even keep track of how many antitrust suits they're in right now. And in fact, a big one that doesn't really get talked about is there's um, the house case, which is a bunch of athletes, class action athletes saying, hey, you owe us back pay because NIL wasn't allowed when we played and we lost all this opportunity. And it has been estimated that if that verdict goes against them, they could owe billions of dollars in back pay to those players, which I think the NCAA would go bankrupt. So, um, yes, they're under a lot of pressure right now in a lot of different courtrooms. And um, I, I almost said I wouldn't want to be a lawyer for the NCAA, but actually I kind of would <laughs> because the amount of billable hours I would rack up right now, you know, be enough for you know, buy an island at this point because they have so much legal work they have to do. Well done. Stuart Mandel, always enjoyed the conversation. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. He alluded to the conversation at the top of the next hour with Commissioner Sankey. We'll talk to him at 6 p.m. Eastern and be back right after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Hey, the boys are back Saturday morning. Marty and McGee, 7 a.m. We uh, head to the phone, and uh, Dominic is up next in Pittsburgh. Hey. Dominic. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? How's, how was school today, Dominic? Pretty good. I got, a, I got a few questions and a joke for you today. Okay, well, shoot. How about them Vols on Saturday beating the Wildcats in their own backyard? I'm glad we talked on Friday. Yeah, I, I, I you, you talked me out of uh, the Kentucky prediction. I'm glad you, you, you really saved me. Yeah, and hopefully I can change your mind about this Bama game because you said you got Auburn. Why is that? Well, I have Auburn because uh, they are very difficult to beat at home. Yeah, I feel like if Bama wants to win, they need to get a fast start and keep a handle of broom 
and maybe a little Grave Digger Magic Part 2, baby. Hey, uh, I know ESPN had a big announcement earlier with uh, Coach Saban. Uh, I'm thinking they may have hired the wrong Alabama man. I think, I think you might be the, uh, the future for ESPN. Are you are you able to are you are you are you able to get into the portal at twelve years old? Oh yeah, I can hop in the portal. You may need to slide me a couple of nil dollars though. <laughs> well, but, when do you turn thirteen, Dominic? Uh, March uh, March eighteen. Okay, so you're still uh, and because you know twelve. Uh, once you go thirteen, you're a teenager, aren't you? Yep. Okay. And said, these past days have been crazy with some of these Auburn fans just can't stop talking about Coach Saban. I did some research in Study Lab today, and we are 8-2 and two versus them the last 10 years. Been a decade of domination, Paul. Don't you think so? Oh, I, no doubt. Uh, the only, I mean, the only time Auburn had that run was, uh, when, remember when, you, know, you probably don't remember because you weren't born, but Tuberville won six in a row. And since then, it's been uh, then, then Saban showed up, and it's been uh, very it's been uh, poor sledding ever since. Yeah, and here's my joke, Paul. What's the difference between the Auburn Tigers and a dollar bill? Okay, first joke from Dominique, the twelve-year-old from Pittsburgh. What's the difference between the Auburn Tigers and a dollar bill? I don't know. You can still get four quarters out of a dollar bill, Paul. Roll damn time, Paul. See you later, buddy. <laughs> He's a jokester. <laughs> Tim is next in New York. Uh, hello, Tim. Hi, Paul. It's uh, my pleasure to talk to you. And, Thank you. Uh, I, I enjoyed your last caller. I, I, I'm calling about the, one of the greatest high school football players I've ever seen. And I was a little bit younger than your caller. I think the first time I saw him play, I think it was about seven years old. And he was from Elmira, New York, and his name is Ernie Davis. Oh, my. Yeah, one of the I'm sure you're aware of that name. He's I the sure first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy, and he died at a very young age from leukemia. And I just wanted to make sure that his name got on your list. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I don't know, did he uh, – I, I know – he cro- he was he went to Syria. Did he cross um, pass up there? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, with he with uh, he was Jim drafted Brown. in in the NFL, drafted in the NFL the Cleveland Browns, and he would have been right. in the same backfield with Jim Brown. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I mean, how how amazing would mm-hmm. that have been? Oh, incredible! I mean, he was when I he's kind of like the Bo Jackson of his time, you know. Oh no, I have uh, a, I, I've read about him uh, my whole life, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, uh huh. That is uh, just a uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I mean the I, I mean, I'm trying. I mean, I'm trying to remember the years. I mean, he followed he followed Brown, uh, right uh, up there. Um, but, yeah, he 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 won the Heisman Trophy, I think, in 1961. Right. And then I think he died in '63. Right. That I think he a, was 20, early 20s, maybe 23 years old when yeah, he, he passed he away. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, he was the first pick in the in the in the draft. I mean, he was amazing, yes. and that's just yeah. such a sad mm-hmm. story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, I've read. I don't. I either read a book or read a book about uh, that dealt with him. But but thanks for sharing that. I'm uh, sure uh, that is amazing. He, thank you. Thank you very very much. Let's go to uh, Rich in Chicago. Hey, Rich. Hey, Paul. Today's National Signing Day. We're talking about high schools. What do you think the most underrated? area for high school recruiting is 
Well, uh, I mean, you, you hear about Texas, Ohio, Florida, Pennsylvania. You tell me. I think it's the south side of the city of Chicago. Wow. No, I would have never guessed that. A lot of hungry kids, big boys. They go to Big Ten schools. Some of them make them down south. Yeah, I mean, you hear about, you hear about, the, you hear about the, the south side for basketball, but I've never really heard it mentioned for football. That's, that's interesting. Thank you for uh, – uh, I didn't know that. Uh, Doc is up next in Hawaii. Hello, Doc. Hey, Paul. How are you doing today? We are doing great. Thank you. Paul, I don't want to get ahead of my skis on this, but the Herb Herb Street thing is bothering me just a little bit. Now, okay. I'll just tell you that I'm I'm a Georgia fan, but I would actually be upset about this if it was any other school. If if he's doing this, did the Alabama quarterback go to Ohio State because of him? Well, I don't I, mean, uh, this, I, I don't know this, that, and, and uh, the thing that bothers me is the fact that we haven't heard from Herb Street, and, and, and I say that because usually Herb Street is very quick to respond to any type of story. Um, I, I don't know where well, he is today, but uh, I'm surprised well, you, he hasn't responded. Well, you, under, you understand the thought process is this kid had signed to Ohio State, and then because Herb Street went to Ohio State, well, he goes to Georgia, and then you have a possibility of him talking to his father. Now, if it's well, if it's, well, here, here's the story. Uh, we're talking it. about a player that then ended up at Nebraska. Now, by the way, Raiola had uh, I know he, he had connections to Nebraska. to Nebraska. I think his uncle coached yeah. there, or somebody. I mean, there there is a. He, I mean, he just didn't pick Nebraska out of the clear blue sky. Well, and I totally agree with you, Paul. I I totally agree with you. But either Herb Street did this, or. Possibly, the father's a fabricator trying to cover his butt. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, right now, we've heard from the father. We haven't heard from Herb Street, and, and I and that that is unusual because uh, and, and I've you, never known I, I, Herb Street among media members is probably the fastest. Uh, I mean, he he will get out there immediately when it, when somebody has said something about him. I hate to say this, but it puts a bad light. He's a if the SEC or the ABC network, whatever you want to call, and he's talking somebody out of going to an SEC school, going to something. Well, yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, listen. I mean, he will probably do uh, six or seven Georgia games this year. I mean, he'll be he'll be all yeah. over Georgia. Well, I, uh, I, thank I you for the call. It. Appreciate it very much. The commissioner of the SEC joins us next. Thank you for listening to the best of the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Watch the Paul Feinbaum Show weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on the SEC Network. Plus, you can listen and watch on the ESPN app.